Hi, from the Bear Cave, I'm Barry Slater, and welcome to today's reading of USA Today for Wednesday, February 28th. Our front page article is written by Michael Collins. It's titled, What's Next for Joe Biden After Michigan? Uncommitted Votes Raise Questions for His Campaign. The rebellion that President Joe Biden faced among Arab Americans, progressives, and young voters on his way to winning Michigan's Democratic primary is raising questions for his campaign as it looks ahead to Super Tuesday and beyond. Biden easily won Tuesday's primary, as expected, yet received a sobering warning from voters who cast uncommitted ballots to protest his support for Israel in its war in Gaza. With more than 98% of the votes counted, there were more than 100,000 uncommitted votes cast, well above the 10,000-vote goal set by leaders behind the movement. That is more than 13% of the total votes cast. Count Michigan uncommitted for funding of war and genocide in Gaza, said Leila Elabed, campaign manager for Listen to Michigan, which organized the uncommitted drive and is pushing for Biden to call for an immediate ceasefire in the Middle East. Many of the people who selected uncommitted voted for Biden in 2020, but are not backing his re-election because of the war in Gaza, Elabed said. They don't want another Donald Trump presidency, she said, but we cannot afford to pay the bill for disregarding Palestinian lives should it come due in November. The progressive group, Our Revelation, said the uncommitted vote in Michigan sent a resounding message to Biden, change course now on Gaza or risk alienating key voter blocks needed to defeat Trump in November. In order for Democrats to defeat Donald Trump in November, Biden must realign with his voter base and listen to the diverse progressive voices urging him to change course in Gaza, said the group's executive director, Joseph Giverghese. And until he does, <clears throat> excuse me, we will continue showing up, speaking out, and activating our revolution's 8 million grassroots members across the country to use their ballot to demand change, he added. The large number of uncommitted ballots in Michigan shows Biden's vulnerability in a swing state that could play a pivotal role come November. Biden defeated Trump by just 154,000 votes in 2020. Uncommitted ballots on Tuesday far exceeded the 10,704 votes by which Trump defeated Democrat Hillary Clinton in the general election in 2016 and the roughly 11% or 20,833 votes who chose uncommitted over then-President Barack Obama in the 2012 Michigan primary. It's clear that Biden has a problem with his base in Michigan, as veteran Michigan Democrats have been telling the White House for weeks, said William Galston, chairman of the governance studies at the Brookings Institution, a Washington-based think tank. 
Without exit polls, it's hard to know how much of the uncommitted vote was a protest against Biden's support of Israel and how much of it reflected other concerns such as Biden's age, Galston said. Still, he said, these results will increase pressure on the White House to get at least a temporary ceasefire as soon as possible. Biden issued a statement late Tuesday night that did not address the uncommitted vote, but instead highlighted his administration's accomplishments and focused on a possible rematch with Trump, who Biden said threatens to drag us even further into the past as he pursues revenge and retribution. This fight for our freedoms, for working families, and for democracy is going to take all of us coming together, Biden said. I know that we will, he added. The Biden campaign had anticipated a strong showing of uncommitted votes and had been working to contain the damage. Biden dispatched his senior advisors two weeks ago to Dearborn, Michigan, for a series of meetings with Arab Americans. Dearborn has the highest percentage of Arab Americans in the country. During those meetings, the Biden advisors apologized privately for the way administration has handled the war in Gaza and for how it has talked publicly about Palestinians during the deadly conflict with Israel. Biden also shifted his tone when discussing the war, condemning Israel's response as over-the-top and saying he hopes a ceasefire could come before the end of this weekend. But the number of uncommitted voters in Michigan on Tuesday shows that Biden has problems with his base heading into next week's Super Tuesday primaries and caucuses when voters in 16 states will hold elections. The uncommitted showing in Michigan could embolden similar campaigns in other states. A national movement called Abandon Biden is active in Michigan and several other states, including Minnesota, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Wisconsin, and Florida. Similar efforts are underway with more key constituencies for Biden. A campaign led by Armenian-American activists is also encouraging voters to choose uncommitted at the polls. The effort aims to send a message that the administration should stop sending military aid to Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, has been locked for decades in a conflict with Armenians living in Nagorno-Karabakh, a mountainous ethnic Armenian region inside the borders of Azerbaijan. Tens of thousands of soldiers have been killed, hundreds of thousands of civilians have been displaced, and severe food shortages have plagued the region because Azerbaijan has blocked the road that connects the region with Armenia. Biden, who has made human rights a touchstone of his presidency, has infuriated many Armenian Americans by waiving part of a federal law that bans foreign aid to Azerbaijan. Advocacy groups want him to call for an immediate end to the blockade and apply pressure pressure on Azerbaijan through sanctions. We really feel like he broke faith with our community, said Aram Hamparian, executive director of the Armenian National Committee of America. Our thought is that type of complicity should have consequences, he added. 
Armenian-American leaders have been working with charitable groups, women's organizations, and others to spread the word about the uncommitted campaign. Armenians make up about 13% of the population in Michigan, 7% in Pennsylvania, and 6% in Wisconsin. All three are expected to be swing states in November, so aligning with Arab Americans behind the uncommitted movement could give Armenian Americans more clout than they've had in past elections, Hamperian said. Representative Debbie Dingell, a Democrat from Michigan, said that while much of the focus in Michigan was on Arab Americans, it's not just the Arab American Muslim community. Young people want to be heard, as do women and groups concerned about issues such as the environment and border security, she said during an appearance on CNN. Biden needs to sit down with the community, Dingell said, but we've got to turn out our vote. The candidate that wins in November will be the one who turns out the vote, she said. From the entertainment section of the USA Today, an article written by Cache McClay is titled, Beyonce's Country Music is Causing a Surge in Cowboy Fashion, According to Global Searches. Beyonce Knowles Carter has been a catalyst for trends of all sorts since the inception of her career. And her new singles, Texas Hold'em and Sixteen Carriages, have not only had unprecedented success, but they have ignited excitement surrounding country music and the culture around it. This enthusiasm has rippled out to the fashion industry. According to experts at Boohoo, a fast fashion website, there was a massive spike of interest in items that are directly associated with southern and country music culture, dubbed Cowboy Core, directly following the release of Beyonce's new songs and the announcement of her full Renaissance Act II album during the Super Bowl. There has been an uptick in interest in classic cowboy looks and Western-inspired fashion, which includes items such as cowboy hats, cowboy boots, leather jackets, fringe, denim, and more. And their research suggests these fashion trends are set to take over this spring. The interest seems to be worldwide. Global Google searches for cowboy hat increased by 215.5% after the commercial with cowboy boots rising by 163%. Searches for bolo tie also saw a massive increase of 566% after Beyonce downed a turquoise one in her Super Bowl commercial. Other celebrities seem to be embracing the moment as well. Kim Kardashian was spotted wearing a black cowboy hat during an event Super Bowl weekend. Beyonce has embraced cowboy core on several occasions, especially recently. At the Grammys this month, she was seen in a cowboy hat and skirt suit that featured a collarless leather jacket decked in studs. Since the announcement, she has rocked several different cowboy hats, including her recent appearance at the New York Fashion Week Luar Show, where she supported nephew Daniel Hulez Smith Jr. From the looks of it, Beyonce won't be the only one this season. yippee ki
Next up from the money section of the Wednesday, February 28th, USA Today, an article written by Rachel Looker and Paul Davidson. It's titled, Paying More at the Grocery Store for Less, Senator Bob Casey Takes Aim at Shrinkflation. President Biden looked decidedly peeved in his Super Bowl ad earlier this month. I've had enough of what they call shrinkflation, he said during the commercial. It's a ripoff, he added. Rising prices are a top concern among voters heading into the 2024 presidential election, and many of them blame Biden for inflation. But with price increases slowing, some consumer advocates and lawmakers are joining the president and focusing their ire on a new target, shrinkflation. It's the practice of reducing the size of consumer goods while charging the same price, fattening the manufacturer's profits. Some companies are trying to pull a fast one by shrinking the products little by little and hoping you won't notice, Biden added, saying I'm calling on companies to put a stop to this. Senator Bob Casey, a Democrat from Pennsylvania, is set to introduce a bill today to fight shrinkflation of household consumer goods that American families routinely purchase like cereals, chips, detergents, cookies, and toilet paper. The bill faces an uphill battle in Congress because of Republican opposition. But the proposal underscores that while inflation has eased since peaking in June of 2022, Democratic lawmakers continue to blame big companies for intensifying price run-ups by excessively raising prices above their wholesale costs or providing less product to pad their profits. Casey's legislation, dubbed the Sinkflation Prevention Act of 2024, gives the Federal Trade Commission and state attorneys general authority to crack down on companies that skimp on product but don't cut prices to reflect it. Corporations are trying to pull the wool over our eyes by shrinking their products without reducing their prices. Anyone on a tight budget sees it every time they go to the grocery store, Casey told USA in a statement, adding, I'm fighting to crack down on shrinkflation and hold corporations accountable for these deceptive practices. The Bureau of Labor Statistics identified household paper products, snacks, coffee, tea, and diapers as some of the top product groups most afflicted, affected by shrinkflation. For example, family-sized packs of double-stuff Oreos have dwindled 6% in size by weight, but maker Mondelez, or Mondelez is charging the same price, according to an example from Casey's December 2023 report on shrinkflation. Casey has examined how corporations profit off American families in a three-part series of reports last year. Mondelez did not respond to an email seeking comment. The report found that household paper products like toilet paper and paper towels are 34.9% more expensive per unit than in January of 2019. Of that rise, the report found 10.3% is because producers are shrinking the size of rolls and packages. 
Casey also has criticized a broader concept dubbed greedflation, which occurs when corporations raise prices faster than inflation to justify higher prices. The Pennsylvania lawmaker sent a, a letter to the Government Accountability Office last month urging the office to examine the effects of corporate greed on consumers. Casey, who chairs the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Subcommittee, also co-introduced a bill earlier this month led by Senator Elizabeth Warren, a Democrat from Massachusetts, that would create a federal ban on excessive price increases or price gouging. Casey's legislation gives the Federal Trade Commission the authority to crack down on corporations that reduce the size of their products and charge the same price. The FTC already has the power to prohibit unfair or deceptive practices, and the bill would establish shrinkflation as such conduct. The FTC also could force companies to provide warnings on packages when they reduce the size or weight of a product but charge the same price, says Lindsay Owens, Executive Director of Groundwork Collaborative, a progressive economic policy research group. The group has endorsed Casey's bill. Consumers are often more aware of price changes than size changes, according to an article from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which can contribute to corporations deceiving average consumers who are not able to compare product sizes. The legislation also authorizes the FTC and state attorneys general to pursue civil actions against corporations who engage in shrinkflation. Casey's bill has seven Democratic co-sponsors, including Senators Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin, Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, Jackie Rosen of Nevada, Cory Booker of New Jersey, Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island, Sherrod Brown of Ohio, and Patty Murray of Washington, as well as Senator Bernie Sanders, an independent from Vermont. Critics and political opponents say Casey's bill would go too far by telling companies how to package their products. Do you have any idea how communist in nature that would be? asked Mike Falkander, who served as Assistant Secretary for Economic Policy at the Treasury Department under former President Trump. Companies, he said, should be allowed to mitigate inflation's effects by reducing container sizes instead of hiking prices. Do you want the government to preclude that, he asks. Owens, however, says the FTC has broad powers to curtail practices that are deceptive. In 2021 and 2022, companies sharply raised their prices to offset higher wholesale costs triggered by pandemic-related supply chain snarls and labor shortages being the start of shrinkflation. But while consumer prices increased 14% from July 2020 to July 2022, corporate profits soared 75% during that period, according to a report by Casey's office that cites Commerce Department figures. The net profit margins of S&P 500 companies peaked at 13% in the spring of 2022, according to FactSet, a research company. 
In earnings calls, some corporations have acknowledged that Americans flush with bigger pay increases and federal stimulus checks were willing to accept higher prices. But since hitting a 40-year high of 9.1% in June of 2022, annual inflation has come down to 3.1% in January, according to the Consumer Price Index. And profit margins in the fourth quarter are running 11.1%, based on the 80% of S&P 500 companies that have reported earnings so far, facts that says. That's the lowest since late 2020. Were S&P 500 companies able to pass along price increases and then some? Asked Ed Clissel, chief U.S. strategist for Ned Davis Research. Yes, but they cannot anymore, he said. Many companies have faced growing consumer resistance to price increases. In 2022, Unilever, which makes Ben & Jerry's ice cream, Hellman's mayonnaise, and other household staples, jacked up its prices by 13.3% on average in 2022, according to the Associated Press. But its sales volume fell 3.6% that year. And so, last year, the company lifted prices just 2.8%. Sales, in turn, rose 1.8%. So how to combat shrinkflation? Well, with grocery prices up about 26% since late 2019, American consumers are looking for ways to save at the supermarket. When it comes to combating shrinkflation, consumers can pay closer attention to net count or net weight on packages. Additionally, noticing changes to unit prices can reveal any changes in quantity of a product. Next up from the tech section of the Wednesday, February 28th, USA Today, an article written by Mark Ramirez. It's titled, How to Help Elderly Parents from a Distance, Tech Can Ease Logistical and Emotional Burden. As a neuropsychologist trained in developing technology for cognitively impaired older adults, Alyssa Weekly's research at the University of California in Davis made her acutely aware of the challenges of long-distance caregiving. Still, when her proudly independent grandmother in 2018 began showing signs of what would ultimately be diagnosed as early-stage Alzheimer's, the situation took her and her family by surprise. Her grandmother, in her 70s, lived alone in Southern California. Weekly and her family were scattered throughout Northern California and Washington. There were a whole host of things that made independent living challenging for her, Weekly recalled, but there was nobody really there to provide her with care, she added. Soon, she and her family found themselves in a position shared by nearly six million other Americans acting as caregivers from a complicated and often distressing distance. According to a 2020 AARP report, long-distance caregivers represent more than one in ten of the country's estimated 53 million family caregivers, meaning they live an hour or more from their care recipient. On average, they live about 450 miles away. 
Long distance caregivers have not been adequately recognized as legitimate sources of care because of the physical distance that makes their contributions less apparent or visible, said Francesca Falzerano, an assistant professor of gerontology at the University of Southern California in L.A. However, we have and will continue to see an increase in individuals who find themselves providing, coordinating, and managing care from afar. From hundreds of miles away, Weekly and her family members took turns managing a growing list of challenges for her grandmother who would forget doctor's appointments or social engagements. She had trouble picking out clothes or remembering to turn down the thermostat in hot weather. They took steps to provide her with a safe environment, equipping her stovetop with an automatic turn-off function and recruiting neighbors to check in. Their concerns, she said, were definitely emotionally draining. Weekly, worried constantly, feeling guilt and a longing to be there, even though it wasn't really feasible, she was just starting her career and her mom and aunt were still working as well. Moreover, her grandmother wasn't ready to relinquish her autonomy. The situation prompted Weekly through her work at UC Davis Medical Campus in Sacramento to develop technology that could help long-distance caregivers better manage such situations from afar. The technology is still in its early stages. Communication, not only with your loved one, but with other family members, can be a challenge, she said, adding it's just a reality that you're all trying to help this person you all love and who you want to have this fulfilling life that they wanted to have in their retirement. So several factors contribute to producing long-distance caregivers, including a greater number of older adults living longer with chronic illnesses or disability, and more people called on to care for ailing family members from farther away as a result of increasing social and job mobility. While geographically removed from direct care environment, Falzerano said, Long-distance caregivers can find themselves responsible for a wide range of activities, including financial management, care coordination, providing emotional support. Renee Perry, Chief Operating Officer for The Senior Source, an older adult advocacy agency serving Greater Dallas, recalled stepping into such a role when her father, who lived nearly 300 miles away in Arkansas, was diagnosed with esophageal cancer in 2022. He died just over a year ago. Oftentimes, it comes on really suddenly, Perry said. You find yourself in a situation where even with expertise and knowledge, you have to step into a crisis situation where emotions are high and your loved one's life is changing completely. Recent and emerging technologies such as wearable monitors and automated home assistance are helping caregivers better manage such situations. Telehealth opportunities popularized during the pandemic have been a game-changer, Falzerano said, while electronic health portals have allowed families to access information about their loved one's condition. Such technologies, Falzerano said, have not only allowed long-distance carriers to better manage care and 
virtually engage with care recipients, but have also opened doors to connect with support groups and others in similar situation. Zoom calls helped Perry and her sister, who lives in Chicago, virtually attend doctor's appointments with her parents to participate in the care process. When you're not there, technology allows you to, in essence, be in the room and hear what the doctors are saying and help your loved ones through that situation, she said. While her father died just over a year ago, Perry still makes time to visit her mother to make sure she has the support she needs as she learns to live on her own, getting her comfortable with video call technology so she can see her grandkids. Even online bill paying and being able to order groceries from afar and have them delivered is huge. So some tips for long-distance caregivers. Maintain and grow networks of helpers, including friends, neighbors, and faith community members, including an updated spreadsheet with contact information and the roles those people can play in a crisis. Utilize that network to identify contractors and handymen who can assist with plumbing, lawn services, and the like for the care recipient. Familiarize yourself with aging advocates in the care recipients' communities. Use services such as Elder Care Locator to identify available resources such as Meals on Wheels, Respite Care, and Minor Home Repairs or Modification. Look to Home and Community-Based Services or HCBS for resources, peer support, education, and training. Ensure you can access any necessary financial, legal, and insurance details and that you clearly understand your recipient's wants and needs. Utilize available technologies to manage things like online banking, ordering groceries, setting medication reminders, and getting prescriptions refilled. Fall detection devices and video doorbells also can offer peace of mind. Don't forget to care for yourself, and remember long-distance caregivers can play supporting roles for family members who do live close to or even with ailing parents, giving them a break from their daily responsibilities. Well, that's it for today's reading of USA Today. I've been reading from their Wednesday, February 28th edition. If you have any questions about the articles I've read, call the Chris Listener line at 860-727-9579. Thank you for listening. I'm Barry Slater, and so long until next time.